Grand Rising, everybody. Natalie coming to you live. Spirit and coffee. Got my coffee here. Uh, uh, uh. Yum, yum, yum. Um, um, um. Okay. Um, speaking from the Emerald Tablet, Alchemy for Personal Transformation. Um, okay, so uh, I what were we talking about? I'm not sure what we were talking about yesterday. I think we we're talking about the one God, the one thing, the one mind. Um, so we we're on Maya and the meaning of Maya and that being the one thing. Um, and then we uh, talked about the Operation Akhenaten and how he came up with the one God and how some of them thought he was, well, there is a theory that he was an actual woman posing as a man. Um, there's that theory. There's just a bunch of things about Akhenaten that are pretty interesting um, when we go back into history, some think he was, um, you know, a alien and that he looked like an alien. <clears throat> so there's that as well. Um, but what they did is they suggested that he, Akhenaten, gave the tablet to Moses. Um, and according to the Exodus, Moses fled the land of the Kenites, um, which is what the subjects of the Akhenaten were called. Um, in the open court of time, it can be assumed that Moses would have conferred with the Pharaoh many times on behalf of his people. In Moses's monotheism, um, Sigmund Freud suggested that Moses, as a contemporary of Akhenaten, somehow appropriated the Pharaoh's idea of the supreme God and brought the new religion to the Jews. Similar sentiments were expressed and renowned Egypt's Egyptianologist, um, Janice Asman, Moses the Egyptian. Um, so perhaps the link between the tablet and Christianity is more direct than anyone could have possibly guessed, where there is an old legend that says that the second Hermes gave the emerald tablet to Miriam, sister of Moses, and she placed it in the Ark of the Covenant for, for safekeeping. So we start to look at these storylines of, you know, the myth stories or the Bible stories or the stories of what happened um, in history. And we see Moses rise with the tablets and the tablets being what they think is the Emerald Tablets or the law of the God um, that tell us how we should operate in this three-dimensional time space and that there were different laws and principles to live by. Um, in the case of Hermetic, uh, Heretic, Pharaoh was eventually replaced by the 10-year-old boy, probably Akhenaten's son-in-law, whose name was Tutankhamun, servant of the Aten, uh, was changed to Tutankhamun, servant of Amen. So we think, you know, we say, God be with you, amen, amen. And we don't really understand where these words are coming from. So, you know, as a um, religious person or as a person who follows any of the dogmas or any kind of religious philosophy, looking into the words and how the words were created um, is critical. It's important so that we understand what it is that we are speaking forth when we're we're creating and shaping reality right so understanding the historical context of where this came from so scholars have done tons of research archaeologists and such to look at this stuff so in the case of that um <clears throat> The Akhenaten's, after Akhenaten's murder, the child pharaoh's actions were tightly controlled by the fundamentalist priest who restored the capital. 
of Thebes um, destroyed the city of Akhenaten and eased all traces of the new religion. So the new religion was the big thing. And that was the one mind and the one thing. And that came from Akhenaten and it came in um, instead of a pantheon of gods, right? It was like, there's the one Supreme God, the one reigning God and, and the one thing. Now, here's the deal. When we speak gods, and this is how I sort of view it for my own self, is that there are these gods, right? And that's what they call um, paganism, right? In some ways, they say, well, you're pagan if you believe in all these gods. Well, those gods are little Gs, right? Um, but they come from the one God. If we saw it as the many hands coming from the one source and the source being, then we have these sort of archetypal patterns that show up um, and they come from natural law and they, they start to arise into mythology, into storytelling, into the way that we shape and see the world. It's all interconnected. And really, if we start understanding, we start to ask ourselves, who's writing the script? Who is writing the storyline? Where do we fit into the storyline? Where are we in our own hero's journey? And who are we within that hero's journey? Well, we can be several things. We embody sort of these energies inside of us at times. And so what I've been really going into um, with my mythology class is, to, is Greek mythology and what they thought about with all of the gods that they had a pantheon of gods, they had so many different gods, right? Um, but then we have this idea that comes in and it's from, you know, alchemy, the one thought, the one mind that came from the emerald tablet that told us that there was one supreme God, but Akhenaten got in trouble for this. Um, and you can even go see that Akhenaten, right? Hey, Bara, if you go to the, the site of Akhenaten, you will see that they destroyed it. They did not want this information to come out. They were pissed off at him. And we see this happen all the time, right? People start to get too close to what is their authentic truth and the truth. And then they get in trouble for it, right? That's typically what happens. The closer you are to the truth, the more you're pissing people off, the more um, you are going to get shut down. Um, Bahram, you probably know that. <laughs> okay. So, um, the, they eased all traces of the new religion, unlike the magnificent gold mummy of King Tut. The bodies of Akhenaten, Akhenaten Nefertiti were never found. Archaeologist Sir Ellen Gardner surmised that Akhenaten's body had been torn to pieces and thrown to the dog. The only written references of Aten after the death of Akhenaten were um, enigmatic allusions um, that associated a solar disk with the great sphinx on the Giza plain. So we look at, and when we're going back and we're looking at these um, ancient stories or what was happening with the pharaohs. Now, Akhenaten was the first to say, we're going we're gonna to make things look real. Um, because before in, in Egyptian mythology or Egyptian storytelling or whatever you want to call it, or Egyptian god telling or whatever it was, is that we saw the gods with um, different animal parts, right? They were hybrids. Um, and so Akhenaten said, no, we're going to depict things in their natural form and we're going to ascribe to the one God and the one thing. Well, um, then that just said, they said no, and they, they murdered 
well, they think they murdered um, Akhenaten and Nefertiti, and that was it. That was the end of that, right? But we saw this rise of this religion or this way or this thought process starting to um, rise in other places. Now, um, I was just doing, um, when we talk about Christianity, right? And this is not just about religion and all that. This is about understanding the history of what we see happened and what scholars have said that in in greece they accepted the storylines of jesus christ being born of um a god because for them that was normal that gods mated with humans and had um offspring so the storylines were accepted um very easily here's the deal um not a question of you know, was Christ real? Is it religion? I'm not questioning anybody's religion. You believe what you believe. And that's a beautiful thing. As long as it's helping you heal your heart and it's getting you closer to God, that's all good, right? Not a question of that. But it's really looking at what was the psychology and the mindset of the individual's um, during the time and how did that shape the storyline that we see today? Because there's a story that's being played out. Um, there's a, a play, if you will. And if we go into Hindu philosophy, or if we looked at the Hindus, they say it, right? Maya, the great illusion, the grand illusion, where it's just this big play, this big story play that's just being played out. It's a big grand illusion. And that Brahman falls asleep, the, the God, the one God falls asleep, um, has this crazy dream, which we're a part of. And then wakes up to remember who he is or who he is. Or we'll say he, who he is, okay, without using better terms. But what it is, I should say, to remember what it is, which is consciousness, love, and light. But there's this crazy, twisted, distorted story that starts to unfold. So what we're looking at is the storyline being played out. How is that storyline being played out? And I'm going to continue to talk about this because the the remedy or what you're looking for in terms of how do I reshape my life is really looking at your storyline. Where are you and how do you fit into the storyline? What is it that you get to contribute to the storyline? What stories are you telling? Right? Well, with Spirit and Coffee, right? For instance, what story is Spirit and Coffee telling? What story is Natalie herself telling? What energies is she embodying? It's looking at all of that. And let me tell you what, these archetypal patterns show up in everybody and they get played out. Okay, so this is another thing we can talk about in government, right? Um, when it's mind control, right? Government, there, there's mind control where they take on a role. Everybody's taking on a role. Now, how does that work? I don't know because there's initiations that happen and perhaps initiations are like, hey, what do, what archetypal patterns or energies exist within you and how can we utilize that to magnify it into the storyline, right? So even in the lodges, right? If we went back to Knights Templar, we go back to all of these, you know, orders and stuff like that. They were asked, you know, what house do you want to be in? There's all these houses. Well, these houses are sort of constructed in what we call maybe personality types. 
Okay, but they could be archetypal energies. Well, what archetypes are you? The trickster? Are you the lover? Are you the... And so we start to see that they're really recreating the storylines that the ancient Greece, Rome's, uh, ancient Rome, all of them have created and constructed. It's the same story pattern and, and, and storyline. So it's not different. And because of that, we are able to prophesize the outcome. But we have the opportunity to maybe create new storylines. Okay, that's where we come in. That's why this is important to understand. That's why I'm doing this because it's, I want you guys to remember that you have your own personal story. I'm going to say it a billion, trillion, gazillion times. Your storyline is, is important and needed. Your personal myth is needed in the world. And tapping into that takes a lot of hard work, of course. Again, it's easier to ascribe to somebody else's storyline, right? But it's where do you fit in? How do you fit into the hero's journey? You have your own hero's journey. What energies arise within you? Okay, what different archetypal patterns? Now, we went from like gods to archetypes, in my opinion, right? We changed the name and maybe shifted it. And I think Jung would say that, yeah, it's probably instead of saying gods, he called them archetypes. Um, and when we look at the archetypes, we're like, well, they're really connected to old storylines that have been played out over and over and over again. And we can see it. I talked about Trump the other day, he being the trickster in the storyline. He shook up everything, right? He he was the trickster, the trickster being one of the hardest energies to work with. So we have the trickster, but we can go back and we can see that these different characters show up over and over and over again. We have, you know, the philosophers are the great thinkers, okay? Now, are you one or all of them? You're, you have the ability to be embody each one of these characters. But there's something that has resonated within you, sort of this foundational energy that's always been within you, right? We could call that personality or temperament, if you will. That temperament has led you down a certain path, right? For truth seekers, people who are on the search for truth, you can say that you have the thought-like energy. The uh, well, I want to know. I want to follow truth. What is true? That's That would be Thoth, right? That would be Hermes. That would be spiritual alchemy. So any, any truth seeker, and I know I talked about this on your show, Baram. Thank you, by the way, for putting that out. Will end up in spiritual alchemy if they continue down the journey. That's where you're going to end up is spiritual alchemy. It's going to bring you right there. Because spiritual alchemy is the process. It's not a religion. It's not a dogma. It's a process. And it, and it gives us a clue to where how the process was created or where it came from or how to utilize it. And also gives us the codes to the our personal elixir. How do we transform um, this energy into our fullest potential? What is our fullest potential? We don't even know. I don't even know. How do I know? I don't know. Nobody ever sat there and taught each one of us what our full potential was, right? We had all of these people maybe telling us we should be this or should do that or, oh, you should do this or I don't know how your parents were. You guys can share if you want to type in if you want. But we were sort of given 
who we should be. Society tried to program it to who we should be. Nobody really said, let me sit you down and let's really um, tap into your fullest potential. What would that have looked like? Right. What would it what would you have done? Right. When you were a kid, because if you were a child and you think about it, like me, I was really good at mathematics when I was little. But nobody tapped into that potential and fully what it could mean for me. Now, I could have continued down mathematics, but no circumstances and conditions set me down another path. Fine. OK, I was a kid at the time. So thinking about the things and the gifts that you guys have naturally. What is it that you were good at? What is it that you really, really, when you were a kid, if somebody would have paid attention and really, really helped you to harness that potential, what would have happened? Okay, totally different story. That doesn't happen though. We get programmed by society's idea of who we should be, which is minimalize. They minimalize us. Well, you're just an ordinary, or you're just a worker, or you're just a this. And they program us that way to believe that our potential is not enough. And so what ends up happening is the storyline in our heads is we're not enough. We're not worthy. Um, how could we ever believe that we could accomplish these big grand things? That's not for us. That's for them. Um, or we're up looking and we're glorifying those who are at the top as though we ha don't have the ability to do the same thing. Right. You do. You have the ability. You have the capacity and it's there. It's maybe latent in you, but it's there. But to harness that full potential, we have to really understand who we are and what energy potentials within us so that we utilize the energy within us. And we're not working against it. Some people will work against it, um, which causes catastrophe to some people's lives. And I know that some of you guys are probably like shake your head like, yes, because sometimes we have this, especially fire energy in us which is that energy, that fire energy being the hardest energy to work with, trust me, um, where there's that sort of rage or anger um, and we think it bad, but it's one of the most powerful energies we can transform and use. Think about the dark phoenix. Let's go to movies. What are they really talking about? What are they depicting when they, when they show these people with these energy fields that are maybe too much. And a lot of it's playing out within the feminine, right? Because we see chi or we see, they call it chi, or we see all these very powerful energies. And they're really, what they're doing is they're starting to change the storyline into the feminine. So when we look at movies and we see the dark Phoenix, we see a woman, right? Or if we're looking, um, I started, uh, my, my nephew had me start watching the umbrella Academy where one of the main, um, characters is a woman and her her energy potential so much that it's it's too much almost um and and it can cause great damage right but here's why people are afraid of that potential they're afraid of it but within us we have it everybody okay it's not just a few and if we see the storylines that are being played out like in movies we're seeing that these women characters are rising and they have too much chi right? They call it the chi, the energy within. Now, this chi that lives within us, the energy that lives within us, people are afraid of it. Notice that people are afraid of people who are really angry and you. they're erratic. They don't know what they're going to do. They're going to, who knows, they're going to throw something at me or they're going to throw a knife at my head or who knows. I mean, some people, right, they're enraged and people are afraid of that energy. 
So some people are afraid of that energy within themselves, but guess what? It has the most power and potential to be utilized if we learn how to harness it and redirect it into something meaningful, okay? So it's the redirection, but nobody teaches. And in fact, people are afraid of it. So we see in the storylines even, as people are tapping into their energy, we see that there's this fear that they've caged that energy, right? It's like, let's cage the energy. Let's pretend it doesn't exist. Well, really what was never taught, right, is how to harness that energy and utilize it for something good. And what you end up with is an explosion, right? And then they're like, oh, I can point the finger. You're just angry. You're just erratic. You're just this. Yeah, but why wasn't I taught this as a child? How come I wasn't taught to redirect this anger or rage or whatever it was that was inside of us? Why not? You know, what about these other energy potentials? Well, that's why. Because God forbid that we tap into our full potential. What would happen if we did? Well, systems might fall. People that are in control may lose power. Quote, unquote, power. Okay. Or control. Quote, unquote, control. So... Looking at it from that perspective, we have this energy potential within us, the story, these energies, these archetypes are the gods that speak to us, right? And we can use that energy to sort of reshape, recreate the storyline within our force field. Okay, now it almost seems impossible, right? Because we're living in this weird, uh, convoluted weird I don't know this time is really strange right we're in this weird sort of it almost feels like we're in this like I don't know I, I would say twilight zone if you will kind of state right I felt like I was in a twilight zone series about a year ago I was like whoa this is and it couldn't it was getting worse and worse I mean nothing was getting better it was weird as hell um that it almost feels like what where what are we view what are we in what is it that we're actually seeing and perceiving in this world today? It's so weird and convoluted and distorted. We're so far removed from our essence and who we are. And there's reasons for that. And I can go into that a little bit because we are seeing life through um, the, the masculine right now and the shadow feminine. Okay. And I'm using these terms, um, I could explain a little bit more if you guys aren't uncertain of what I mean, but we're see we're the the shadow feminine is starting to rise basically. It's and we can see it in movies like I said. They've caged this the sacred feminine. They've caged it. And this happened in the patriarchy. Now, this is not right, wrong, good or bad. But patriarchy when you deny the sacred feminine um, trust me, you don't want to do that. It's not a good sign. It's chaos is, it will rain. And if chaos comes, it's pretty, pretty devastating for everybody. So we don't want to go there. Um, so how do we balance it out for the world? We balance it within ourselves. We understand the sacred divine masculine and divine feminine within us and the sacred feminine and masculine within us. And we consummate the two. That's part of spiritual alchemy is understanding how these energies exist within who we are in our vessel, okay? So 
the sacred feminine exists in men, the sacred feminine exists in women, the sacred the sacred masculine exists in men, the sacred masculine exists in women. So both, okay? No one is going to take care of yourself better than yourself. Having faith in yourself is uh, optimal for success. Amen. Yes. Believing in yourself. That's that's a, that's a good point. Um, no one's going to come to save you. <laughs> you get to save you, which is kind of cool in a way if you think about it. Like I, okay, maybe it's not cool for everybody, but I'm going to say speaking as Natalie, love. I love saving myself. I mean, it's pretty fun actually because it's a journey. It's a hero's journey that we go on and there's all these crazy things that happen and imagine how boring life would be right but right now we're in a cosmic thing which kind of distorts the entire storyline in a way that i think is just it's almost like eerie it has this eerie kind of resonance to it if you will um you can't tell me that these past couple years haven't felt eerie i mean Please tell me if it hasn't, please tell me it hasn't. But for me, there's been this eerie kind of like weird, like Twilight Zone-ish, right? Like it, it's weird. It's like we're in a damn, I don't know what. <laughs> I'm like, where, what dimension am I in? Am I really in this 3D world? Well, no, in a sense, we're not because um, we're sort of trying to open up these other dimensions right these other spaces these other times um totally twilight zone yeah totally right radio projects like what the hell's going on um and just when i thought things couldn't get even more out of control they totally did i was like whoa this storyline is getting even more twisted you know and sometimes we can observe and sit back and eat popcorn and watch the show. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what the monks do. They're just kind of like on the heel, like they're like praying for everybody, but they're like, yo, we're just watching the show and kind of eating popcorn. Um, they're not really eating popcorn, but you know, that's what I see. It's like, they're watching this big show, this grand show that we're putting on this big play that we're putting on, um, which is just kind of weird. It's just a weird story. Um, but we have um, the power with it. Now, we don't feel like we do at times. And that's the big key that I'm trying to talk about here is that we feel like we don't because we've never been taught that we have the power to um, shift the mindset or change worldviews or create new paradigms and new worldviews and ways of seeing the world. So it's it's like we're not, it's almost like our minds are not keeping up with the trend that's happening. So I've talked about statistics before, and if we looked at it from a statistical perspective, okay, um, you know, we have, um, when you look at statistics, you have the the people who go first, right? The people who are sort of like the, the tra trailblazers, right? They're kind of like the ones who go first. Um, and then you kind of have these people who kind of like follow trailblazers, but they're kind of slower. They're more like, ah, yeah. And then they start to follow. And then before you know it, more people follow. And then before you know it, everybody's following. Right. But the beginners, the people who are talking about these things and, and the trailblazers, they're sort of left in this lonely state of by themselves. And they're trying to like tell people, hey, but people aren't going to listen. That's I mean, it's not for them right now. Right. Eventually, some people won't listen. Some people never adapt or adopt the new worldview um, and they hang tight to old ways of seeing the world. Well, we're not there. We're in a whole different 
way of viewing the world, period, end of story. We went from postmodern to post-postmodern um, to now what we have post-postmodern, um, where things are starting to come into integration. We're starting to reintegrate um, world systems, all that. You can go look at those paradigms if you want, um, worldviews that are arising, and how that's um, sort of how it's seeping into all of the um, academic world as well is how we see the world. So you'll see that if you just go through it. Um, so again, we have that potential within us. Um, and the distorted storyline that we're seeing is, again, ask yourself, the biggest questions you ask yourself is, well, who's created it, right? Was it the Simpsons maybe? <laughs> It's funny. I bring up more conspiracy stuff now that Barham's in here, but it's it is funny. Like, was it the Simpsons that created the storyline? It was the man behind the curtain, right? Like, who was the man behind the curtain? Who was the Wizard of Oz that was trying to create these false realities and people buying into it and thinking it's prophecy? No, sorry, not. Which by by Ram, I did talk about um, a long time ago. So I guess I do trickle in some of those little theories or tr little truths that nobody, I mean, there are people who are really, yes, that are really actually um, prophets that um, get some insight as to what is to come. Um, and they're really versed in patterning and, and how the world works. And some people get it through divine um, intervention right, where um, there's a lady, uh, and I can't remember um, where she was, but she went blind. There was a nuclear, something happened and blew up and she went blind and she was able to see the future. She predicted futures for other people. She could still see what was to come. And she did even talk about a time where aliens aliens would actually, um, we would be talking to aliens. Well, um, you know, so she literally had the a gift of prophecy through um, connecting into that cosmic patterning, which is, that's what it is. It's us being able to tap into that and understand the patterns that occur within our, you know, cosmos and within our actual natural world and with human behavior, because we're predictable. Humans are so predictable, believe it or not. So looking at that. So again, we see the storylines playing out, um, opening up your eyes, remembering Moses is a big part of this. And for some reason, Moses keeps coming up, right? Today's education is about what? Okay, today's education is about what to think instead of how to think. The result of this is our modern social culture. Yeah, exactly. Um, instead of how to think exactly so they don't teach us the rhetoric and the logos and the ethos <laughs> um but they don't they don't teach us the trivium which is if you looked into the trivium um it's logos um and i can't remember the other two sorry um but yes it is the way of how to think how do we start to think and they don't teach us that and you're absolutely right so the education system is totally distorted we can totally go on a whole rant about that. Um, and so the the main thing that I want you guys to understand 
is that in spiritual alchemy, right, that we have the power to work with our philosopher's stone. We can find our philosopher's stone. We can tap into that and we can start to generate and create from that. Um, and we need more people doing this because it's going to take full imagination of us to come up with a new storyline. You see, if we play their game, we're playing into their story. But to create a new story, to create a new earth, to create a new way of, of seeing the earth and to create a new paradigm, to create a third, fifth, sixth dimensional time space, to work with time and space, to understand all that takes full on creativity. It takes our imagination. It takes us diving into these deep places that were never taught to us. See, we've been very left-brained. We've been very programmed to think scientifically. And if we can't touch it or observe it, then it must not be real. That's the story that we have, right? And so science has taken the wheels. Left brain has taken the wheels. The sacred masculine has taken, and it's become so distorted because it's so far away from the center. So another thing, I'll just give you one more thing. Sin. Okay, people don't even know what the word sin means, right? Sin means missing the mark. Okay, people think sin means you're going to go to hell and that you're evil. That's not what it means. It means you miss the mark. We as a world society, okay, have missed the mark. And here's how. We've created a full patriarchy lens for us to view the world in. Well, we've just totally took out the, one of the most important pieces, which is the sacred feminine, which allows us to use imagination. So even when you talk about how to think, well, yeah, how to think and new things arise from the imagination. When you look at all these, again, I'm going to go back to all these individuals who have created, quote unquote, really amazing things in this world. They all use the imagination. Okay, they understood spiritual alchemy. I'm going to say this again and again and again. All Masonic orders, Illuminati, we can go back historically. They used spiritual alchemy. That is what even the United States is created on. Spiritual alchemy. All of it. What they did is they said, well, we're just going to ignore that creative piece. And we're just going to go down the rabbit hole of science. Well, science ain't going to fix the issue. What's going to fix the issue, what's going to help us is to start to tap into our imagination. It's going to take creativity. It's going to take us thinking from a whole other irrational way of being. The imaginal. Okay, Carl Jung, Sigmund Freud. Um, <clears throat> we can go into um, Tesla. All of these individuals, they use the imagination. They went in, you, you, Einstein, when he couldn't solve a problem, you know what he did? He went and he rode his bike and he tapped into that part of his brain that was imaginal. And he said, you know what? I didn't get the answers. It came from something greater than me. Well, that's the collective unconscious that Carl Jung was talking about. See, that's really, because we think critical thinking is fact checking, fact checking, and it's not, it's not just that. It's about working with the irrational and the rational mind and bring, bridging it together to create a, something anew, okay? 
where people will say, well, just think in logic. Logic is not going to solve the problem. That's the same mind that created it. That's another quote that Einstein said. You can't fix the problem with the same mind that created it. Well, the mind that created the world we see today is the left brain scientific patriarchy. Not a bad thing. We need patriarchy still. I'm not saying get rid of it. This is not a feminist place where I say get rid of the patriarchy. No, we need both. Now we need to understand how to work with the feminine energy. And right now, what's happening is the feminine energy that's rising. Nobody knows how the hell to work with it. They're freaking out and it's irrational. It doesn't make sense. It feels like we're in the twilight zone and we're in the shadow mother right now. The shadow mother. Go look that up. We're in the shadow mother. We're birthing something new. We're in the womb of darkness. What are we going to birth new? Whose storyline are we gonna are we gonna listen to? Are we gonna create and birth something new for ourselves? A new story, a new beginning. Okay, so again, it's looking at all of this from a bigger perspective. Now, as we move through the sacred feminine and we start to look at uh, how to bridge the gap between the two, we're so we'll say that. Let's just say this: the way that the storylines play out with um coercion and forcing people to do things with their body that they don't want to that's full on um sacred masculine but it's the shadow masculine okay it's war it's force it's fear okay now we're looking at well how does the sacred feminine coming in well the shadow sacred feminine is total disorder it 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 doesn't even make sense the storylines aren't making sense people are waking up and saying wait this none of this is rational but they're trying to use science to pretend it's rational. Well, here's what the science says. Yeah, but the science is not adding up. It still sounds irrational. Oh, but in our mind, it's rational. That is the shadow feminine. It's irrational. It doesn't even make sense. None of it. Okay, where are you in the storyline? What's happening at the macrocosm, microcosm? It's a lot. Trust me, it's a lot of information, a lot to discuss. Whew. And boy, God knows I could talk about this for the rest of my life and never get through it all. <laughs> Ever changing. So we're in the shadow feminine. Um, it's irrational. Um, and it never is going to be rational. But out of the irrational, we can start to construct what we call symbology and images. And those images are the archetypes, the gods, whatever you want to call them. I call them archetypes. There are the energy forces that we use to create a new world. The images, the imagery, sacred geometry. Okay. My favorite conspiracy theory is that everything is going to be okay. No, everything's not going to be okay. Everything changes always, right? That's alchemy. <laughs> alchemy is like... We're all over the place at all the time and it's never the same and changes and this three dimensional time space that we're stuck in at this point um, is the hardest shit to get through. I'm going to tell you that right now. We are so dense, right, in this three three dimensional time space that it is painful and there is suffering now, the suffering, right, that we get through if we learn how to maneuver through it becomes we can transform it into something beautiful. We really can't. Our greatest sufferings can become our greatest joy. 
See, because we live in what? We live in a polarity at this point. The 3D world offers, here's a deal. Let me just, I'm going to leave this here. On a piece of paper, if you choose to, you write down, what does a 3D world have to offer? Polarities, right? Which then leads into what? Paradoxes, okay? Which leads into what? Us versus them, you and me, you versus me, um, either or, yes, no, black, white, it creates polarities. Those polarities create what we call the pendulum. The pendulum swings too far left, guess what? We're off the mark, we sin. It's too far right, guess what? We're off the mark, we sin. Sin means missing the mark. That's all it means. Well, we're constantly missing the mark because we can't be in complete stillness. Why? Because then we die. I mean, we wouldn't be here, right? We would just disappear. We're in constant change and flow of change. So the polarities themselves is what a 3D world offers. It offers the opportunity for us to be self-aware. So you can just go through and just write a list of things and look at them and say, okay, if this is what it has to offer, well, then why am I, how am I going to use my imagination to, I don't want to say overcome, but work with this energy to create a new storyline, to create new dimensions, to create a new space, which to exist. It's a lot of work. I'm going to tell you that. And it's not easy. <laughs> it's an everyday process all day, every day which is what I do all day, every day. Okay, but your medicine will come in the form of pictures, in the form of symbols, in the form of uh, something else, but not, I mean, logos came in the form of pictures, right? We came up with grammar and all that shit because of logos, because we were trying to describe the experiences we were having here on planet, what we were seeing, our senses, all that stuff. You have your own way of speaking. You have your own language, and that language is really not rational. It doesn't have, um, it's not tangible. That's really what they've left out of the storyline. The imaginal world, the ability to have creativity and to, to dream up new worlds, to, to understand, and then how to utilize it here in, in this 3D world. So we're too left. We're way off the mark. We're way in sin, right? At this point, everybody is. <laughs> we got to swing the pendulum the other way. And it's kind of scary because the feminine, the sacred feminine at least, um, has been um, set up to be feared by most. The dark, the evil, creepy crawlers that crawl in the night, you know, all that is evil, witches, all this, all, ooh, that's evil. So they've programmed people to fear it, to, to tarot, it's, it's, ooh, that's an evil thing. So people are afraid of it. That, that And it was designed that way. Let's keep them afraid of all of these processes that help them. <laughs> no need to fear. Okay, the sacred feminine always has love. She burns new things, but she is irrational, and it does get very dark within the womb of a the sacred feminine. It does get dark, okay? 
So we're going through the shadow. There you go. That's simple. All right. So there you have it. Uh, I love you guys. I hope this was helpful. Um, I will be, of course, talking to you guys tomorrow. Um, have a awesome, beautiful day. And I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye.